and I'm just gonna actually start recording. We can just chat because we can yeah. start it whenever. But um, what's you know what? I guess an appropriate thing because your your Instagram is just Sean. Is it Sean the Wolf? Yeah, yeah, I changed it to that, but yeah, it's Sean the Wolf. That's what I thought. What's your last name? I don't even think I know your last name. Oh, Coleman. Like like the coolers and the stoves. Yes. <laughs> Very reliable. <laughs> Very reliable. But um you we why don't we just jump right in? We what what interested me is I was talking to Spencer and he told me about you. He, he just was talking about this awesome guy that he trains with and God bless Spencer right now. I know he's miserable being out. Um, yeah. But he sent me he sent me your story, the car right, the car accident, correct? Correct. Yep. And that was. And and you live in Lawrenceville, Georgia, right? Or is it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Lawrenceville. Okay. See, we lived over near Snellville, Lawrenceville, over by where it was called the Avenues, when we lived there. Um. Uh, yeah, I'm, the, I'm closer to the Duluth line, I guess, because everything around me is Duluth, but my address is Gotcha. They gotcha. Yeah. Um, my parents live over in Duluth, so I know the area well. Um, nice. But tell us about what happened. It was back in May, right? Yeah, so May of 2019, um, got in a head-on collision in the morning of, of, of all days of Mother's Day. Oh. Um, yeah, and, you know, most of what happened is what was just told to me, because... I got knocked out, so I don't have any memory of, I don't, I think it knocked even hours leading up to the accident off of my memory, as well as obviously the entire accident until later on in the hospital. And I was waiting for it to maybe come back to me, and it never came back to me. So, according to a police report anyway, just someone crossed over my side of the lane. We got a head-on collision. Um, obviously, saved my life by the seatbelt, but the seatbelt also caused damages as well, because which I didn't sure. know was a common thing, that the, the lap belt itself can cause a lot of organ damage. Ooh. So, yeah, so because it was such a, uh, I guess the best word to describe it is catastrophic, such a catastrophic accident. Um, they had to use, obviously, jaws of life and things to put me out of the car. Uh, you know, I had uh, injuries, like fractured elbow and dislocated shoulders, things like that. Obviously, I was knocked out. Uh, but the big one was the lap belt. Um, it it cut. I guess it, it caused a lot of internal damage on my organs. So uh, you know, internal bleeding and things like that. So mm-hmm. they ended up having to cut me open, mm-hmm. pull everything out, cut away the dead stuff, and sew the good stuff back together and oh. put me back together again. Wow. So, so you didn't kind of the depth of it anyway. And you didn't even you didn't even really see it coming. You just were out. Or what, yeah, you, you I, can't I, remember, I, I guess. If I saw it, yeah, I even mean, if I saw it coming, I don't remember any of it. Like, my memory tracks almost, I don't even remember being on that road, you know. So, and no. there's a, a road towards my house, but I don't even remember any of it. So, I don't remember probably at least a good hour up until then. Um, and then, obviously, I don't remember anything until I was at the hospital in the ICU, just in pain, you know. So, that, mm. that was kind of, you know big gap and I have no clue if that was hours between those two or what wow well just seeing the picture of the car I can't you, you, it's hard to believe anybody lived through that just seeing the, the picture I was like my gosh how did anybody survive right yeah that's um, that's 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 what a lot of people actually say and, and, and when I describe it to people without having the picture handy I'll tell them that it, 
It just looks like a, a piece of metal that got crumbled up like a piece of paper. Yeah. That's kind of what the vehicle looks like. Uh, but, you know, like I said, it forms of the seatbelt that kept me from obviously being splattered all over the streets. Right. That's um, right. However, it's double-edged sword, so... And that's what I told, um, you know, we have teenagers. Um, well, we have three teenage girls. Two, Well, one of them drives. The other two are of driving age, but they don't have their license yet. But one of their boyfriends drives them around, and she says, Mom, please tell him to wear his seatbelt. And I try to tell him all the time. I just lecture him. He he says, I'm a good driver. I said, but it's not always you. And so I told, yeah. I yeah, I told him about you, about us talking to you tonight. And he actually wanted to meet you. He's like, well, can I talk to him? I was like, well, no, because he's not going to be here, here. But, um, but I showed him the picture. I said, see this? I said, I bet you. I said, I don't know the whole story yet, but I almost guarantee you that I, by looking at the picture, the seatbelt had to save you. And right. so he yep. said, he said, I need an update when you, after you talk to him. So I'm going to tell him that, you know, the good part of the seatbelt yeah. story. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it, obviously there's a bad, like, it made me like, feel like, almost like, man, this is, it, it seems stupid that something that can save us causes this injury. And apparently it's a common one on head, head on collisions. Uh-huh. So it's like, there's got to be something for like, I almost didn't want to put a regular seatbelt on again. I was like, I need to look into these NASCAR harnesses or something, you know? Right. But, Apparently, you know, just it's the way we wear it, I guess. It's designed to sit across our hip bones. But we always ride, like, if, when you're in the car next time, you'll notice that it always rides up across your waist. Sure, yeah. Um, and there's really nothing on, when it's catastrophic uh, impact, there's nothing that really stopped it from kind of, you know, kind of causing a clothesline effect. Right. Things. Right. But it's better than <laughs> yeah. kissing a windshield. Absolutely. Well, yeah, if you didn't have and, it you know, on. The reason I had... Yeah, I had organ damage and, and, and bottle de- body damage, but I didn't have head damage outside of, you know, probably either maybe the, the, uh, the bad air bad right. knocked me out or whatever, but outside of that. Right. You could have, I mean, if you survived it with you, you would have had, you wouldn't be talking to us right now, probably. You wouldn't exactly. know what you were saying. Yeah. Um, exactly. What was the, how long was the recovery process? Um, it's, that, that's. I guess that's a, a loaded question in a way because I'm still semi-recovering. Okay. Um, but uh, the main, I was in the hospital for two weeks, um, ICU for about a week, and then, then the regular hospital for, for the rest of the week, or the following week. Uh, after I got out, it probably took me about three months to get to feel semi-functional. That's like doing like like old old man walks around the neighborhood, right? Getting winded and yeah, I had. Um, you know, it's just a lot of abdominal pain and everything was so new. My back was on fire. Even though my back didn't get injured, like, in a spinal way, in a vertebrae way, um, it caused just connection drama to the trauma, I guess, to the muscles. Right. So I was, it was just uncomfortable. I was medicated a lot for, like, yeah. a, good, a good three months. And then it's just like anything. Momentum starts building and you say, okay, I can walk two blocks now. And now yeah. I can walk a mile. And now I'm building it back up. And, uh even to this day, I, I train full time. I feel like I'm at I'm at the peak of where I'll recover to. Not necessarily a hundred percent, right? Uh, but I still have things that I have to compensate for. My shoulders are quite the same, right? Um, and even though they kind of sewed me up, and I'm good on my um, my organs, my you know, any any I'm sure any mom that has a C-section or anybody that has abdominal um, uh, scarring can tell you that like. 
your muscles don't quite fire off like they used to anymore mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. In, in the abs. Uh-huh. So I can't do like a strict sit-up anymore. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and one of one of my permanent parts is that, which I didn't know this, this is I learned more about the body throughout all this, your, like your love handles, the muscles on the side of your abs, they mm-hmm. connect, uh, the tissue connects to your hip bone, which I didn't really know. And I didn't so know that either. One side, one side is completely ripped off of the hip bone, so it's not oh connected anymore. The, o- the only way to reconnect it is to put like mesh in there, kind of drill it into my hip bone and all that. Mm. And that would require them cutting me open again. I kind of don't want that. So right. I've, right. I've, I've, lived, I've lived my entire life with finding out cool workarounds this thing, so I figure I can live as long as it doesn't bother me or hurt me, I can work around those mobility issues. Right. And I'm sure not even more so than physically he- healing through this time, I'm sure there's a lot of mental healing through it too. You being an active person and then having to be all of a sudden out of the blue shut down for however many, three months or so, had to be like yeah. grueling on your, your mind. Yeah, for sure. So- yeah, good. So I just, how did you deal with that? Because I can't, I mean, me as a trainer and in the gym all the time, I have never had a major injury, knock on wood. Now I'm going to go break my leg tomorrow or something. But I've never had anything that's kept me down for more than a few days, you know, pulled muscle or whatever. I think I would go go crazy. If she goes two days without working out, I don't want to be around her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So how did, how did you deal with that? Well, so it's, it's, um, Parted right, so part of the reason I was able to recover as fast as I was able to, I didn't, I wasn't expecting to be where I'm at now for another probably year. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it was I was already in physically really good shape. I, I was an active competitor and an active fighter at the time, mm-hmm. so part of it is my body was already ready to kind of fight things off and, and get back to something. Right, right. That was one, but. Uh, over like say the last five years or so, I've really dialed into a lot of um, mindset training and mental mental toughness training, mm-hmm. um, and I I do that because I'm I'm 38 now. I'm an older guy trying to fight in a young man's world, and I I always accept that in the fighting in MMA world and whatever, I'm not going to be the strongest, the tallest, the fastest, the most cardio, none of that stuff. Right. I have to be the strongest mentally, right? So it's just, these are exercises that I've practiced to help me better in the competitive spirit for a long time. And so it kind of helped me here too. So I just, it was, it was easy for me to start setting expectations the right way and kind of not delving into depression and all these things. I'm, I'm a, I'm kind of an ornery son of a bitch in a way. Yeah. You know? So I don't, I don't let a whole lot get me down. And I, and I, I don't, I just, and I don't need like, um, I don't like people would help because people people care, right? So friends and teammates would come over and try to cheer my spirits up. But I'm, I've really focused over the last several years on being very self-generated in that. So it became just second nature to me that I like this is this is the path, right? You're in a bad situation. What's the way out? Right. It's one step at a time, type of thing. And and I learned that there's great parables in jujitsu from that that I use a lot. I've been training jiu-jitsu for about 10 years, so I, I end up, I, I become one of those annoying jiu-jitsu guys that says, oh, jiu-jitsu is just like life, and, you know, I find all these meanings and parallels, uh, but I do, like, if I'm in a really tough position and someone's attacking me and I'm exhausted and life mm-hmm. just sucks in a match, um, I don't, I can panic and think, well, it's me, or I can take a deep breath and recognize there's a technique out of every bad position, and mm-hmm. uh, and now just take the steps for that. So this was part of what that was. And, and I, I, 
I, I felt like that's where I was strongest, right? My body was strong because it was in shape, but I was strongest mentally because it was something I've, as I get older in this sport, knew I need to get better at uh, sharpening. Yeah. And you said that woe is me. I remember reading in your, um, I read something on your Instagram earlier today. Um, it, you had posted the picture of the accident, and I was reading what you were saying about birthdays and things like that. And you said that, and this, it's, it, made me think you said this wreck never defined me as a woe is me rather excitement that I get more time at this thing called life I love that's awesome because not everybody would have that like mindset yeah it's big that's you know because I mean we would get set back a little bit and we we get in our feels right we start feeling sorry for ourselves and getting down and then it just takes you down this spiral what if why this happened to me I've worked so hard yeah and that's I think when you talk about the mindset that's something the last year that I've personally got into myself, a lot of reading on the topic, listening to books, and just trying to learn how to meditate. And it, is, mm-hmm. it has transformed my attitude, but not it's like 10% of what I know it can be. It, it's weird. Yeah. It's, you know, I just haven't been doing it long enough, and I'm not diligent enough. It might be, you know, I might do it for three straight days where I'm really really focused in and then I fall off for right. two to three days um, yeah I think that's fine though I think it, like they talk about like people that want to be millionaires in business they they say oh you want your business to be successful your first focus is to make your first dollar right mm-hmm. so I think with with mental training and stuff like that the first focus is that first day and that doesn't mean it's you're set for life that just means it's a step there so I think uh, just like anything you get your reps in Mm-hmm. And you're going to have failed reps, um, but that doesn't define getting the additional reps in. So right. I don't know. I, I, I look for, um, and this I did this again before the accident, so it helped me. But I look for little challenges everywhere. And one of my biggest things I think about is um, I want to seek out the quit voice in my head, the one that says, "Want let's give up. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, when it comes to fight or flight world and, like, the going gets tough, that's when the voice speaks the loudest and you're most vulnerable to it. So uh, one of my biggest uh, easy exercises for that is I would fast. So I'd go on like three-day fast. And it wasn't for any purposeful dieting reasons. I have no religious ties to it. It was really just so I could hear the quick voice and get a rep rep on telling the quick voice to sit the hell down, you know. And it doesn't doesn't get to control me. So I look for reps on that from everywhere. I'll go with the biggest guy in class and get squashed and just – allow him to squash me and mm-hmm. everything in me is wanting to just give up and it's like no and we're not giving up and this is another rep to strengthen that um so everything's a rep the yeah good and the bad even bad reps help wow that's awesome and i think that i think that too as we you said you're 38 or so is that what you said right yep. if you if yep. you you know as you as you grow in age i think you obviously become more mature and you learn more and your mind is a lot stronger because I can imagine things that happen to me now in life, if they would have happened to me in my 20s, I would have dealt with them in an entirely different way. And it would be an entirely, yeah, an entirely different person because of it. So I think timing is, you know, not, you don't want anything ever bad to happen in your life. But, you know, as you get older, I think that the bad things are a little bit not easier to deal with, but we can deal with them in a better way to not take us down this path of demise for the rest of our life. And you want to, you want to get, that's what, that's what, what you said wakes me up. And what Ange just said is it's not if, you know, if something bad happens to each of us, it's when something bad happens. And that, 
that mental preparation, those reps you're talking about, which I love it. It's it's inspiring, but it's it's an amazing way to look at conflict and difficulty and actually invite it into your life to actually make yeah. you stronger. Right. Yep. Yeah, so when problems come and like, oh shit, that you know, we got the cars broke or whatever, we're behind on this money or this bill came or just things that stress us out on a daily, um, it's it's just a mental shift in your own head to go from the you old know, woe is me or this sucks or here we go again, I can't I can't catch a break and just change the same scenario and you just change the, the way you think about it and you say, oh, well, here's another puzzle to solve, right? This was a little more difficult than the last one. Mm-hmm. But it's just a puzzle to solve. And every time you solve it, it doesn't fix your fucking life forever. Right. But it gives you another rep on solving puzzles. So when you see another one, which will come, because like, like you just said, I'm, 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 a, for, I'm like the most, I always identify, like self-identify as the most cynical optimist you'll ever meet. I'm super optimistic <laughs> about everything. I'm very positive. But I'm also like re- realist in that I get that problems will happen. The puzzles mm-hmm. will present themselves. And do I just throw my hands up when the puzzle does? Or do I, do I say, I kind of stroke my chin and say, all right, what about this one? There's a, there's a solution. It's my job to seek out the solution, not to complain and, like, right. throw the victim hat and then people can feel sorry for me. Right. It doesn't get me anywhere. Right. I, and we try to teach our kids that, too. We were just talking about this at dinner, like not bailing them out, making them learn how to fail, learn how to figure yeah. it out. You know, I'm not going to bail you out. If you were supposed to do an assignment and you needed my help and you're coming to me on a Sunday night and it's due tomorrow, guess you're going to fail because you got to see how that feels. you got to see the disappointment in your teacher and your peers that were in your group that you were supposed to do this project with and feel that. If I shelter you from that the rest of your life, it's not going to make you um, the type of, well, the type of kid that I want to raise anyway. So you got to suffer through that failure and through the hurt and through the pain to make you who, you know, the person who you are. That's just my opinion, but... Yeah, no, I completely agree. I do the same thing with my kids, though. Oh, well, this guy, well, I guess that means you're going to get an F on that, yep. you know? Yep, Because that's your fault, because that's, I mean, that's kind of a, a bigger dilemma issue, a societal issue where we kind of are trying to protect our kids from failing, and it's like, no, 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 right. I want my kids to fail. Like, yeah. My kids compete in jiu-jitsu, and... Yes, I can do the whole thing. You see where a lot of parents will put them. The kid's been training for like three years, and they'll put them in divisions like they're novice. Right. They can get gold medals. And I tell, I, I teach kids at, at the gym as well, and I tell the student, my students' kids as well as my personal children that I don't care about your medal. Right. Your medal's pointless. Yep. You're, that's, not what, that's not what gets you the win. Getting the rep is what gets you the win. Whether you lose yep. or not, that doesn't matter. It's getting the rep in. And I tell them, like, that medal costs... 30 cents to make in China. Like, who cares about yeah. the metal? Yeah. And when you're an adult, nobody's going to give two fucks about what you get at eight That's years right. old. That's so, right. You know, the, but what matter is me letting you be out there on your own and you win or lose on your own and I'm still here to support you. you yeah. Know? So, exactly. Man, I, the, 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 I, you know, now you guys are parents, you kind of get it too, but I go in like to dad talk world a lot with my kids. I did it on the way home today. So, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, important yeah and we're we're very uh when it comes to the kids and the responsibility i know it's kind of off kind of veering off like we said we 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 do but it we're very open with our kids we we're not we don't shelter them either we talk to them about a lot of things that might be uncomfortable for most parents but we want them to have some type of real life experience when they get out in the world and that has to do with failing falling on their face having to figure it out on their own yeah. Yep. You know, look like 
look like a fool. I think it, we were, everybody's worried or, or feels like it's terrible for a kid to feel shame or to feel embarrassed. And I, I, that's a regular yeah. part of life. Mm-hmm. If I don't do what I need to do this week, yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to be, I'm going to be embarrassed. It's right. going to suck. Right. And nobody's bailing me out. There isn't anybody on this planet that's going to come and, and help Jeff do what he needs to do tomorrow at work. Right. You're not going to be able to woe me yourself and wait for somebody to, um, to come along and save the day for you, you know? Step in and take care of you. Yeah, if we raise that, if we raise kids that think that that's the case, oh, mom's going to bail me out, dad's going to bail me out. Well, then we got uh, entitled teenagers yeah. and entitled young adults that yeah. think somebody should bail them out when they're they're struggling. They say, no, it's, it's bootstrap time, you know? It's, uh-huh. I want to raise... I have three girls. I want to raise three strong women that don't rely on anyone, and including yep. us. And that starts with the parent thing. And then, because if they rely on you, then they move out from parents, and then they look to rely on someone else. Yeah, I'm not down with that. I've said the same thing because I've got three girls. We have three girls, and then we have a son as well. And I've always said the same thing. I don't want them to have to rely on any man, including me, when they leave my home. I want them yep. to be able to stand on their own feet. And handle whatever comes their way, and and not depend on somebody else. But how old are your daughters? Uh, my youngest is ten. My next one's eleven, and the other's thirteen. So okay, they're, they're a bunch together. So you're you're approaching the teenage years rapidly. Oh, yeah. yeah, ours. In already a little early. Yeah, our oldest just went to college this year, and then we have an 18, she's 19, we have an 18-year-old and a 16-year-old, and then our son's 11. So we are in that, like, the the depths of teenage years, and it is, um, well, just good luck, I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. My yeah. hair has turned gray in the last two years. It's amazing how <laughs> yeah. quickly it's just, it's not falling out yet, though, so I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm hanging go. in there. So do your daughters, they train in jiu-jitsu as well? Yeah, my oldest kind of fell out of love with it more recently and has taken to basketball, but my, my middle one and my, my youngest Good. absolutely love it. That's so. great. That, I think that's a great thing for, for girls to be in. I, you know, Jeff always teases me that I should try it. I just don't think I could ever do it. I don't like anything around my neck. I don't want to be rolling in the floor with anybody. You know you know what I mean? But I, I, I think it's a good discipline. I mean, it's more than just, I think, jujitsu because it. I think it's a good mental conditioning as well, right? Am I right? I was much more confident in everything I did when I was training. When I was actively training, it gave me some kind and I'm not talking about confidence of fighting or defending myself even. It just gave me confidence in my job. It gave me a pep in my step. I just, and I had a bond with some guys that you can't get any other way. So, well, I mean, yeah, when you're rolling around on the ground with guys, it's kind of bonding. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, you're, you're simulating murder, right? Yeah. That's what's happening. And, and you're sharing that bond with each other. And, and you get beat up and turn around and say, hey, man, thanks so much. And you're yeah. excited about it. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, you're right. There's so many lessons that come out of jiu-jitsu. Um, but not to mention it, it there's a reason it's it kind of got a bit of a cult following in a way. Is it's, there's, there's, it's therapeutic in a way, right? Yeah. So, we're also getting high, right? Yeah. So there's dopamine yes. releases, yes. And different chemicals that are being released. That's why it's the same concept like you're talking about, um, which you, when you miss training for a couple of days, kind of get like it gets a little unbearable. It's the same thing. Yeah. You just two people because we're we're seeking out that thing that gives us that release and gives us that right that fix, right? Right. It's like a therapy almost. You miss it. You miss it. It's right. 100% right. 
Yeah, it's a therapy for me. You know, people say, oh my gosh, why do you love lifting weights and working? I'm like, because it's my, it's, it's my me time. It's my therapy. It's why I'm not hurting you right now. You know what I mean? It's, it's, I've got to do it for me, you know? (laughs) Yeah, at the end of the day, you're chasing highs, right? There's a reason that when people jump out of planes, they don't just casually do it. They're like, oh, I'm on my 200th jump. Right. They're doing that because they get a dopamine release when they jump and that gives them a high. Right. Same concept. Right. We may be looking at them like you're crazy. You're jumping out of a plane. And I'm looking at you all like you're rolling around. You're letting people choke you. I'm out on that. But I'll go lift some weights. Exactly right. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm, I look at weights. I'm like, oh, geez, please, can I not, you know, because I don't get that same release. Right. All. You just have to find, and I just did a video on this the other day on my IGTV. You have to find what's what's right for you because what's right for you and gets you fit and makes you have those releases is not going to be the same for me. It's not going to be the same for Jeff. It's not going to be the same for your neighbor, your kid, whatever. And people just think there's one way to do things and there's, there's really not. You just have to find what you're going to be able to do. You're going to be able to stick with the rest of your life for you, not yeah. for anyone else, you know, because you're only comparing yourself and you're only competing with you. So or whatever that be. is, or you yeah. should, be. should be, you should be, but uh, yeah. So I think it's kind of the same yeah, thing. Old, old quote, I forget how exactly it goes, but it's something like, you know, find what lights you up and then set the world on fire. You know, yeah. like, find your thing and then just go. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And sometimes it yeah. takes a while to find your little niche. Have you been in, in jiu-jitsu like your, since you were little, or is it? Ten years. Oh, I didn't, I didn't hear that ten part. Ten years, ten years ago, my late 20s. I missed that. Sorry. I used to, I fought a lot when I was a kid. I got in a lot, I got suspended all the time in middle school. I got expelled in the third grade. I had a lot of anger management issues as a kid. Oh, okay. And I would just beg my grandmother to put me in boxing, and they just wouldn't. They'd be, oh, you're going to get hurt, or you're not going to like it. So when I finally turned 18 and moved to Atlanta, I think I turned 19, I I moved to Atlanta and found a boxing gym and joined it. And that was my first love. I did that for a couple years and then would look over at the guys in pajamas and be like, hey, I want to do what they're doing. I I tried it one time and then I fell in love with it so much. I went immediately over to change my membership over from boxing to jujitsu. And I remember everything I wrote on the paperwork looked like I was a doctor because my body was just shaking. Oh. Like, I was a competitive boxer at the time, but it was just a different workout than I'd ever experienced. And, and little, like, name drop, it, back in then, this is 10 years ago again, if you guys know who Douglas Lima is, the champion at Bellator, mm-hmm. he was my first coach. He was a purple belt at the time. Oh, oh wow. wow. Yeah. Now and, and champion at Bellator. It's great. Yep, so yep. small world stuff in Atlanta, a lot of people. And that's where I met who my current coach is now at as well, so. Now, you moved to Atlanta. Where'd you grow up? Uh, well, I, I lived in kind of split home worlds. So my mother's side of the family lived in New Orleans. Okay. And my dad's side of the family lived in uh, Washington State. So I kind of gone between both, depending. Wow. I went to probably six different elementary schools. So oh. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but again, like I said, that made you who you are, right? I, well, I I, I moved around to, to a lot growing up. I went to a lot of different schools, lived, you know, lived, a lot of different things happened, but that's what defines you as a person, you know, which is another thing I try yeah, to teach my kids. Don't, right, don't feel bad about what you're going through because it's defining you. It's your story that you're going to tell one day and maybe help somebody with, right? Yeah, that's right. And, yeah, everything, like I said, everything is a rep. There's no such thing as a wasted rep. You learn how to do it, how it doesn't work, and you learn how it does work. Exactly. So, like, that's where they say, like, you win or you learn type of thing. There's no real loss in effort. The only loss is just 
not trying. Yeah, right? quitting, right, quitting, yeah. Yeah, not not giving any effort or not trying to learn at all. Well, that's a, that's a loss. But if you put yourself out there in any scenario, that's a win. That's a rep. Right. And, and, and every rep is a win for me because I've either, with that rep, I've either decided, I've categorized it that this is the way that it works or this is the way that it doesn't work. And I need as many of those variables as possible to make a wise decision. Now, now is before the accident, after the accident, has has anything changed in your attitude? Is that is that something that you've adopted or intensified since that adversity, or were you this intense about it before? Uh, I was about eighty percent of this before, and this this helped uh, me dial into it more, probably because you know. Um, you spend a lot of time by yourself when you're recovering. People come to visit in and out, but you do have a lot of your own downtime, a lot of your own thoughts. Had all these big aspirations about I'm going to read all these books, or I'm going right. to I'm going to finally learn how to solve what a Rubik's cube is. I'm looking at YouTube videos. <laughs> I went all these little these little phases, right? And but at the end of the day, I was just trying to occupy my brain. But at certain times, especially when I go on my walks by myself, I'm huge on like self-talk and self-therapy and like self-realization stuff and yeah um so i get on a lot of that a lot and i can go for hours and hours and just amp myself up and have these real co- deep conversations so i would say it amplified from mm-hmm. that right i actually i got a, a level of aggressive alone time which is which i embrace a lot so and that's um, it definitely amped up that's good that you had that mindset because I, I talk a lot about um, with my people too about positive self-talk because in my world you know where people are maybe you're overweight out of shape you know the first thing that you do in the morning well the most the first thing that most people do especially women in the morning is you get up you turn on the light you look in the mirror and you're like oh my gosh you know what I mean and then right. there you go you right. start you're like there's my wrinkles oh my gosh there's this there's this love handle there's this belly here there and then you start talking like that to yourself internally yep. And then yep. you start believing it, and it then then that's the way your whole day is going to go. Instead of turning on the light and be like, "Okay, great, I'm here. That's plus," and do like you know yep. the positive self talk. There's always good, and and you know you always have good um, attributes. Say those out loud yeah, to yourself. So Say those to yourself. I have, uh, right. Yeah. I have like two too many theories on that, or, or two philosophies that I go far on that. One is. You are what you say you are, right? So if you say you're a piece of shit, then you're a piece of shit. Right. If you say, hey, I'm ugly and I got these bags and I'm wet, well, then that's what you are. Right. Or you can, like, exactly like you said, you can say the positive talk. You, whatever you do say, you are what you say you are. Yep. And you are the words you think. You are the, the, the identity you give yourself. Uh, and I think that's there's power to that. So you could, you could say that in a very self-defeating way, but there's also anything in the fucking world, right, of all these philosophies, Anything that you say you can, can be a negative, all you got to do is spin it upside down and it becomes a positive, right? Right. So you are what you say you are can also mean that instead of, the perfect example I like to think about is people that struggle with pull-ups, right? Mm-hmm. I can't do pull-ups. Well, yeah, you can't. Why? It, 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 so if you define yourself as a person that can't do pull-ups, you'll just never do pull-ups. Right. But what if you define yourself as a person that's trying to get better at pull-ups, right? And now all of a sudden we've just spun the same scenario and you, you don't, you're not self-identifying as someone that can't. You're self-identifying as someone that's making an effort, too. Yeah. And so it's the same thing with all the other stuff. It, there's, it, it's negative self-talk, and you're, you know, people don't realize they're playing with the same coin. They just have to flip it over. 
and they become positive. Like, if you, we all know how we can lose stuff in our head, like beat ourselves up, then why can't you just spin it? And you're, you're right on it. You have it. You recognize the power of what you yeah. say you are. That's good so stuff. That's yeah. a big one for me. Yeah, I like that. And that's then on good. top of that, on top of that, what I think about exactly what you're kind of covering is being your own cheerleader, right? And right. I, I went on this rant one day with a friend of mine. I was like, man, I have to be my biggest fan, right? Yep. And I know, and in a way, I'm, I'm on this big, uh, I'm on this big tirade right now to take back the words like selfish and narcissist because they're considered taboo and negative words. Mm-hmm. But it, and it's, I look at it and I say, well, why wouldn't I be my biggest fan? Like, I'm not my biggest cheerleader. Then who else am I That's right. to be? Yeah. Right. And it's so like be your biggest person because what's more like especially with you guys, right? What's more value to people in your life that you love and care about is to be a whole person and not be like not be a self-inflicting person, right? Mm-hmm. And so my my policy for myself is to be a value to my friends and my family and and my teammates and my students. I need to be my biggest fan, not in some kind of crazy over the top way, right. but in a way that doesn't beat myself up. And I'm coming to you as a, you know, as a, you know, like woe is me. I keep repeating that, but as like just some self defeated, you know, person, like what value of that is to you? You'd be like, ah, every time I'm around Sean, he's talking about how yes. flexible he is. Right. It's yep. like, right. Why be that person? So I want to be a value to people. And, and the only way I know that I can be is to be my biggest fan because if I'm my biggest fan, I'm coming to you as a whole person, then I can truly be involved with what you're talking about, be present with you about whatever we're dealing with or doing for the day. Yeah, and that's that's so. something that, uh, what was the quote I saw today? I sent it to you, Ange. It was a really, mm-hmm. really good quote. And it kind of has to do with this and mindset and commitment because it's it's like what I'm thinking now and I hadn't thought about being committed to ourselves I was thinking more in a marriage or in work when when you're commit when you make a commitment and and when the crap hits the fan not if but when bad things happen mm-hmm. if you're committed your instinct or your reaction is to say well, what do I got to do to figure this out what do I got to do to correct this if you're not committed you run you find a way out. You find a way to leave the job. You find a way to divorce your wife or, or husband. You find a way to quit doing jujitsu. You find, you know what I'm saying? And and if you're not yeah. committed to yourself, then you don't have positive self-talk. You, you find a way to continue to tear yourself down, which dis, which hurts everybody that's associated with you. Exactly. Yeah, it does no value to anyone. So it's, it's again, it's, these are like, Real like worlds that I've been in for a bit, so you have to excuse that. I go on these little rants, but I love um, it. I, I call it self selfishness, selfishness by way of selflessness, right? So in order for me to be uh, really whole to you, I have to first have my shit together, right? In order for me, it's, it's the it's the airplane rule: before you apply your child's mask, you must apply your oxygen mask, right? So I apply that rule to say. Um, I, I first have to be selfish, but it's not just for the purpose of being selfish. I'm being selfish so I can be a whole person, and then when I'm around you, I can be selfless. I actually can be present with you. I don't have my own crap I'm beating myself up about. So I, I just, I, I, I don't know, I believe that like that there's value to that, and sometimes we do that a disservice because we consider selfish such a ta- taboo word. And 
it's almost more socially acceptable to be to just be self-defeatist because everybody's rushing to that victim role thing. And I wish we, we did that less and we just upped ourselves and be your biggest. It doesn't have to come across arrogant. By any right. Means. I can, I always tell people, all you have to do is give me one compliment and you're ready. You're about to hear 10, 10 things that's wrong with me. So I can do that. Right. I'm not arrogant about it, but I, I, I own who I am, flaws included. And I don't beat myself up for that. And therefore, when I'm around my friends and family and I'm around my students, I can, I can be a whole person with them. I can be very present in whatever we're discussing and whatever moment we're experiencing. And I think there's a value to that. And I get feedback that they feel that from me. And I, I, my confidence is it's because of the self-work that I've done to be my biggest cheerleader. Yeah, and two, I think on, on the same token as that is taking care of yourself. I know a lot of times as women and mothers, you, you I don't want to use the word martyr. I don't think that's the right word here, but you you feel guilty if you take time for yourself and to take care of yourself because then you do feel selfish. But I try to, I try to tell myself and I try to tell my people, um, that you have to, you have to take time for yourself. You have to take care of yourself. Go pamper yourself, go to the gym, go get your nails done, go get a pedicure. Because if you take care of yourself, you're way more equipped to take care of the people that need you. And I think that kind of goes along the same thing as, is kind of, being what you were saying, kind of being a little bit selfish, is, is we, taking care of yourself. Yeah, we talk about that about not only for your, ourselves, but our marriage as well. And I think that's what people don't do. They we're selfish about we come first. Yeah. And then our kids see that example, and they 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 see what a healthy relationship is, and they see that yes, mom and dad are going to leave us here tonight, and they're going to go out, and they're going to have a good time. Right. Together. Yeah. You know, it just I think being selfish in certain situations is better for the whole. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I love that. I love it. I didn't know we were going to go to this totally. place. I didn't either. I just, I, we just want to find a tangent, it's, it's but that's okay. It's inspiring. No, this is... I love it. I like I like where your head's at, Sean, because it's, it's inspiring to me, and it makes me think about things a little bit differently than I, than I do on a daily basis. Yeah. Yeah, and, and I... I mean, again, these are things I've always kind of pondered on. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a forever curious person, so I go down, like, all these paths of thought... Um, and I've, but they've definitely intensified with, with since post accident. I feel like I've, I've gotten more <laughs> cliche term woke. Right. 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 Um, but, uh, it would sound silly to even say, but it's in that realm. Um, and it's, I, I, I just think about like, uh, when we think about like selfishness and, and being, and being a whole person is that we, um, and not it, it, taking it out of the relationship aspect, but just being a person amongst the society and amongst the community, we a lot of times um, are, are instead of being selfish because we consider that taboo, we're walking and living and acting for other people, right? And kind of going according to their descriptions of us or um, their identity for us. Right. And we're letting other people create a narrative for us. Like, oh, that's the, she's the smart one, or that's my heavyset friend, or whatever the thing is, right? Right. And we allow other people to create our narrative, and I think once you dip into this selfish world, and I'm using air quotes in a way with selfish all the time, but when you dip into the selfish world, you get to say, well, no, I dictate my narrative. I decide who I am, and if I'm in control of my identity and what who I really am, then I choose and why wouldn't I choose something positive right and so I get into this world that says I should not be living ever according to anyone else 
because at the end of the day, I don't, uh, I wasn't born based on their opinions. I don't go to sleep with their opinions and I won't die with their opinions. That's right. At the end of the day, it's all me. So if I hate myself, but I, but everyone else loves me, well, I go to sleep with me. And that's why people struggle with their sleep, right? They, they, they toss and turn because it's whatever. They're having this identity issue with, I, I, everyone else loves me. I got to keep face for them. Mm-hmm. But I haven't done that selfish work, right? And, and I'm not, I don't feel complete. And so we kind of are happy out of our day to day lives. And then we get home and all the, all the performance is over and you're stuck with just you and your own thoughts. And they just reinforce that you're a piece of shit or whatever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and then we have trouble sleeping sometimes or whatever. So I, I don't know. I, I've been on this, like, um, uh, this this journey or whatever, right? This epiphany of life for myself that says I have to value me so much that therefore I don't choose people in my life because I need them. I'm a whole person. And so I choose the people in my life because I want them in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think that again gets into our selflessness cause, because it's not fair to the other people that you're just, you need them for whatever to, to compensate because you're not a complete happy person or whatever the thing is right Right. so i don't know my goal is to sleep like a baby every night so i have to be as real as possible to everyone else and whenever i catch someone trying to put me on a pedestal that i feel like oh crap i'm gonna have to live up to that that uh image they've created in me i'm chopping it down immediately like no way because i gotta fake it for you i go home and i look myself in the mirror and me to me knows that i was faking it and the real me isn't that cool right or that whatever yeah, that's, that's good. good. That's, I've never thought of it that way, but that is so true. Yeah, that is good stuff. Yeah. Because we all deal with we that. We all do it. We all, all of oh, us yeah. do it. We all do it and have done it. And it's, that man, that's, but like you said, it's a practice, it's mindset, it's reps. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and that. And you're going to get it wrong sometimes. Oh, yeah, for sure. Getting it wrong is what I do. And it's okay to get it wrong. Like you said, you just gotta <laughs> you just gotta learn from it and move on from it. But it's just with everything. You have to give yourself permission to make mistakes. Yes. And some people don't give themselves that permission. And so when they make the mistake, well fuck it, I'm a I'm a failure. Yep, let's, I'm done. Let's change the that didn't work. And they just they just closed the whole case. I, this is you. We're talking about yourself. Yep. You don't have anyone else. You don't get to transfer to someone else's body. So right. what what are we doing here? Right. I deal with that on a daily basis. I know that that rings true, you know, with the people. As soon as something doesn't work quickly within two weeks, oh, that must be wrong. It must be me. I'm not doing this. I'm, I'm sweating. Yep. It's, yeah, you got to fight through. Nobody. And they cancel the gym membership. Right, right. right. Yeah. People just don't have the fight anymore, I don't think. It's just instant or nothing. That's but our society. That's why it's, a, it's important to seek out that quick voice somewhere. Uh-huh. Find out a place that you suffer. And I think it's a... David Goggins talks about his great book, and he says he talks about always do something that sucks every day. Yes. Do the thing you hate every day. Yes. Once a day or whatever he says. And it's, it's smart because what you're doing is you're challenging mentally yourself to say, I don't want to do that because mm-hmm. no one wants to. No yeah. one wants to go running right. or lifting weights all the time. You don't always want to go to the gym. Sometimes right. it's like, eh, I don't want to do it today. Yeah. But that's the voice you need to get the reps on. Oh, yeah. It. That's what I, and, I, and too, I always tell my people that I'm like, what, and I do this myself. What is the one exercise in the gym you hate? Okay, well, it's leg press for me. So, guess what? I'm going to do more sets and more reps of that because I hate it. Yeah, that's kind of, right? yeah, that's kind of how I try to tell my people. And they're like, wait, what are you talking about? I'm like, because you need to conquer it. You need to conquer what you hate. And, you know, 
to better yourself. Yeah. So. Otherwise, it controls you. Oh, yeah. Dad talk, dad talk I go over with my daughter. One of my daughters has a fear thing. Every time she gets anxiety about talking to new people or doing this new thing, she gets super anxiety, anxious about it. And I said, I broke it down to her that it's like a fear of hers. Mm-hmm. And I said, fear is like fire. You can, if you can control it, it can cook your food, it can warm your house. But if you cannot control it, it'll burn everything to the ground. Oh, that is so good. You yes. You have to steer into it. Because if you don't steer into it, you don't learn to control it. And yes, you're going to burn your hands sometimes, but you're working on controlling the fire so that you can use it for good. That is, that's and we really good. It. Yeah, that's really that's good. That's fight or flight. That's all it is. Yes, that's a good. That's a good analogy. I like that. That's great. I think that's a uh, good. I'm full of dad talk. Well, that that's a great analogy because we have a daughter that has anxiety too, like kind of like that. Then and that that that's a good example. I like that. Yeah, and, and to be honest, I, I always joke that I'm not an intellectual, right? So I, I think in analogies only, and my brain processes things that way. Yeah. And so when I when I teach it at the gym and I'm teaching techniques, whether it be the kids or adults, I'm always like, you swim or you got to do this thing. And it, it simulates an air guitar, and I'm just teaching techniques yeah. in a way that are analogies because it's easier for us to process, I think. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love analogies. I'm the queen. I love analogies. Oh, yeah. I, I, I Some of them yeah. don't... Some of them don't make sense to Jeff, but they make complete sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> you, know what's, you know what's great about it? And I, I really stole that a long time ago from a Tony Robbins speech I watched a long time ago. And he talked about you learn, you can learn new things faster when you tie them to things you already know. Yes. And that's why analogies work so well. Yes. I huh. love it. I love it. Well, I think we're going we're gonna to slow it down and, and close out this one, Sean. We really, really appreciate you taking the time, and we hope that we can. Because I, I feel like we could, we could carry this on for oh, yeah, quite for a sure. while. We should, we should do it. We should do a follow up. We should, and and next Absolutely. time, next time we're in Atlanta, maybe we can do one and like live. You know, not live, live, but like in person is what I mean. Yeah, we'll get Spencer yeah, on it too. Yeah, and Spencer can come. Oh, that would be a that would be fun. Yeah, <laughs> he's, got little, he's got a nice little Airbnb up there too, so it's perfect. Yeah, that'd be That's fun. Right. We'll have to plan that. <laughs> Well, thanks for coming on and joining us, and it was nice to meet you over the phone. <laughs> yeah, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll get in touch with you, let you know when we're going to post, you know, publish this podcast and maybe get some more information from you. Um, but, man, it was great talking to you, inspiring. I'm going to get some reps in tomorrow. <laughs> get those reps in every day. All right, brother. Enjoy your evening. All right, thanks so much. Yep, thanks, thanks Sean. Care.